Hi, welcome to BCI Cattle Chat. I'm Brad White. Happy to have you with us today and happy to have a full crew here in the studio. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Brad. Morning, Brian. Morning, everybody. Morning, Dustin. Good morning, Brad. And we have Callahan Grun with us from U.S. Cattle Trace. Good morning, Callahan. Morning, Brad. So we're happy to have Callahan with us because we're going to talk a little bit about traceability in the U.S., something we've talked about for a long time, as well as talking about the farmer's share of the dollar. There was some new information that came out, and Dustin's going to share some of that with us. And then we're going to talk about EID and what's new with that technology. Bob, I know you were involved with some of the early EID projects. We'll let you tell us about that, and Callahan will tell us where it went to today. Before we get into those topics, I wanted to ask you guys, it is coming very rapidly on Christmas time. Cold weather. It's great time to stay in and watch a movie with the family or watch one by yourself. And I wanted to ask you guys, you've you've got a night alone. You can watch a movie, an action movie. What are you going to watch, Bob? Oh, you know, this isn't even really a, a movie. It, I love my band of brothers. I've got the CD or the DVD set yeah. when I'm all alone because the rest of the family won't let me watch it with or they won't watch it with me. So I'll do it. I'll do an episode or two of Band of Brothers. I don't know if I have a specific one. Anything that's generally with war, something that has to do with war, World War II, Vietnam, something in that space. That narrows it down tremendously. Yeah. yeah. At least I can <laughs> a couple <laughs> movies in that area. Okay. Brian? I don't know. We, we watch a lot of movies at our house. So I, I've got a lot of, I guess, probably the most, re, we, we, we re-watched uh, Maverick, Top Gun Maverick again. So yeah. I'd yeah. watch it again. Yeah, that's it's a great a, movie. That's a good movie. Callahan? Well, I mean, I guess since we're getting close to Christmas time and you asked action movie, it got to be Die Hard, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's got to be Die Hard. I know. It was a softball question. None of those guys got it, Callahan. I'm glad you're here. It's got to be Die Hard. <laughs> that was all I was looking for. And you could have said Die Hard 1, 2. Now, if you get into the later ones, I'm not with you. But yeah, Not on Christmas, couple, but the first couple for first sure. Couple are good. That's right. It was right there, Bob. I know. Okay. <laughs> Well, sorry. So let's talk. Uh, let's talk a little bit about traceability. And and Dustin, I want to get your perspectives, and then we'll dive into some of the stuff that Callahan has done. But relative to traceability in the United States, what are the reasons that that we should care? Well, thinking from a disease standpoint, thinking from an economic standpoint, I guess you know if we were to lose export markets, would be one of the reasons. I would argue. You know, we export what about twelve percent or so of U.S. beef production probably pushing 30% swine pork production. So just that alone right there would uh, be a, one of the top reasons, and I would argue, from an economic standpoint. And then, of course, you got domestic per, domestic consumption as well could be another argument. Bob and Brian, what are some of the diseases that we might, that we use traceability for now, not even foreign animal diseases? Well, right now, the, the system is really set up to, to handle brucellosis or bangs and tuberculosis, TB. And those those control programs are federally designed programs that have been around for decades, uh, highly effective. And But a couple of things about those programs is because of those diseases, we're really worried about adult animals. And so the identification system was really developed to monitor adults as they move in to control those diseases specific, specifically. And again, it's been pretty successful. So adults moving through commerce, but not feeder calves. Yep, not feeder calves. And it, again, the diseases that we were most concerned about as we set up the, the federal systems were really adult animal diseases. Yeah, and, and not really. So I'm, I'm going to change the change the topic a little bit. It's not really traceability, but I mean, one of the core principles of traceability is animal identification. And one of the things that I think about for animal identification, not on a large scale, but individual is, you know, it helps us with drug residues, things like that. So, you know, it's the not traceability per se, but the same concepts apply to other things that affect 
how we market and assure consumer safety of our food products. So Callahan, you're the executive director of U.S. Cattle Trace, which we'll put a link in the show notes to the website for U.S. Cattle Trace if you're interested in learning more. But tell us a little bit about that organization and what are the goals of that group? Yeah, I think that's a good precursor talking from an economic standpoint, but also disease wise. I think, you know, to Bob's point, you know, with the current system in place in the U.S., it's because we've had to address those two diseases looking at that and it does affect those adult cattle. And so starting there, that's where we really filled the gaps in the system that we currently have today with adult cattle and identification, like Brian's point there, is a component of that. And and, and that's a component of all uh, traceability programs and, and disease, whether it's third party verification but identification is kind of the core component of that. And then from there, it's what you do with it. I'd argue today what we have is more of what I'd call a bookend system with uh, disease traceability. You know, we can figure out where that animal was, where it had been, maybe the animals it was around at those certain points, but we're not picking up and knowing where they went or where they have been at that point. And so I think, you know, really the origins of cattle trace dating back to the times of when it originated in Kansas, but also some other pilot projects was really to start looking at what it, what will it take to have a nationally significant animal disease traceability system that really encompasses all classes of cattle. And when I say classes, that means feeder cattle, breeding cattle, you know, so how can we incorporate those feeder cattle? Because when we start looking at the economic standpoint, like Dustin mentioned there, you know, the biggest piece of that puzzle that's missing is maybe, you know, you could argue one of the most important pieces of that, because that's our food supply chain with those feeder cattle going into the production, all those cattle under the ages of 18 months. That's a really important piece of not only the beef cattle industry in the U.S., but also our food supply chain as well. And so uh, to Dustin's point, talking about it from a, you know, risk standpoint, uh, mitigating that from an export standpoint, but even if you start thinking about um, the future and what that could look like for people's protein choices going into that and the public perception of, say, a foot and mouth disease or, or some other foreign animal disease outside of a large-scale TB or brucellosis outbreak could be pretty detrimental to the industry. So thinking about that as well, that's where this kind of all originated from. Well, and I'm hearing two things. One, a system that provides kind of an insurance policy. So if there's a foreign animal disease, how do we maintain commerce, which is important to everybody in the industry through all the chain, right? Everybody cow-calf all the way through the packer. And two, how do we maintain current flow and address some of the diseases that we already have by managing those traces all the way through the system? Cattle trace, U.S. cattle trace is a little bit different than Bob described our traceability system that's been set up through the the government. U.S. cattle trace is a little bit different because it's producer-led. Tell us a little bit about how U.S. cattle trace works logistically. Yeah, that's a good question and, and good point there. You know, Cattle Trace uh, started, like I said, in a pilot project, but it, it all originated from the, the needs uh, by producers across the countryside for this to to be a reality within the United States. And if you go look at the, the beef industry long-range plan, which was put together with various people and various organizations across the beef cattle industry, you know, one of their core objectives is make traceability a reality. And I think that's where we're at within the beef cattle industry, within the U.S. Now we're just figuring out how to do it. And that's what Cattle Trace is hopefully going to help solve or, or be a, a potential solution for that um, within the industry. And, and looking at that, 
we are a nonprofit standalone organization that is uh, solely set up a, as a membership model for anybody to, that wants to help progress this cause forward uh, to be involved in in the beef cattle supply chain. So producers um, are, are the core component of what, what leads us, like you mentioned there. So cow-calf, auction market, dairies, backgrounders, feed yards, they are the ones that can also sit on our board of directors. Um, that's a really important piece as well because as we serve in that, uh, what do I want to say, a white picket fence uh, between the public-private partnership of we're working with collaboratively with state animal health officials on animal disease traceability, but also this is a producer-led, known and managed organization. Uh, they get to determine, you know, how we kind of form that relationship and work with those animal health officials moving forward for uh, some contact tracing purposes, which we'll get into. But that's where where we're set up right now. Um, we're growing. Uh, we're we're still pretty fresh into that as a nonprofit organization. We're only about two and a half years uh, as a standalone outside of those pilot projects, but uh, that's where we stand today. So because it's producer-led, making sure that having privacy and data security are really important parts of that process, but also making sure that it serves the producers. And and it was interesting, and I've talked to some of those folks, and you guys have as well, that started the U.S. Cattle Trace, and finding out as they learned more about traceability and the needs and the potential risk, that's what made them get invested in the process. I mean, that's why we do traceability. And some of the diseases you mentioned, Bob, may not be the ones that we're concerned about long-term, but certainly still part of the process. They, they are part of the process, but there are some important differences. One is the two diseases that I mentioned, brucellosis and tuberculosis, can cause illness in humans. They also are very slow-moving. They're not very contagious, all right? And the disease that we're probably most concerned about is foot and mouth disease. It is not a disease of humans. And it moves very rapidly. Those differences between what we have historically structured our, our traceability around is why we need a different system for the new problem. Yeah, and, and it is something that only having cows tagged, we're not going to make very much progress for foot and mouth disease. Yeah, because, again, I, I contrasted those, the tuberculosis and brucellosis are older animal, adult animal. Uh, foot and mouth disease doesn't discriminate by age. And so our young animals are at highly risk. And our young animals are actually much more likely to move in, in commerce. Uh, and so for a disease like foot and mouth disease, uh, we need a different system than what we have uh, to control brucellosis and tuberculosis. That's a good point there, Bob. I mean, that's probably the biggest thing when we started going through this is, okay, why don't we just throw feeder cattle into the system that we have today? My why of how I got involved in cattle trades from a producer standpoint myself to even start with was, you know, we were working through some of the functional exercises when I worked at the Kansas Department of Agriculture and looking at playing the scenario of having foot and mouth disease in the state of Kansas, or really even within the United States for that matter, you know, looking at the processes that we currently have to put in place today with the current system that we have today, we will not only from just a logistical standpoint within the beef cattle industry, but to Dustin's point earlier, long-term economically, we'll be shutting down a lot of uh, of what we do and how we interact within the cattle industry. I mean, cattle not moving um, anywhere for long extended periods of time and that getting back to commerce is a really big point and purpose of it. So having the ability to very quickly move through contact tracing of animals to the highest degree and as fast as you can, uh, to Bob's point, that's a good point. And I just had a question, Callahan. So 
if I'm new, so you say I wanted to join Cattle Trace as a producer member, like what what should be my expectation of what you know? What do I get out of that being a member of Cattle Trace? Yeah, that's a good point. It, it's a little different when you start thinking about you know we start talking about ID and what it looks like in the beef cattle industry. Um, everything's been uh, tied to you know value or incentives at this point, and ours would be a little bit different within that realm because we're we're purely looking at this from an animal disease traceability standpoint and even more importantly just contact tracing so in terms of my tangibles of what i can can pull out of cattle tracer can pull out of disease traceability there are no dollar incentives uh, tied to it and you guys will sit there probably listening to this podcast and say why the heck would I even join then at this point? And I'm saying, you know, it, it sounds a little bit like fear mongering at some points, but I'll just tell you from that insurance policy standpoint, first and foremost, when you start talking about the ability to not move cattle for multiple weeks. So if you're a cow-calf producer out there, think about the feed yards. I grew up in Western Kansas near all these feed yards, no cattle moving from those yards to those packing plants, you guys can sit there and think, well, we can, we can get by with those, but it's pretty hard to shut down those cattle. You guys can talk about it to a better degree, shut down those cattle uh, and, and put them onto a roughage diet at that point to move them. But we're talking weeks to months at this point that it could shut it down. So the risk standpoint is really important there. So I got two follow-up questions to that. Number one, follow up on Brian's, how do I get involved? Sure. You asked to answer the question why, now how? Yeah, no, how is really important from our standpoint. The reason we went with the membership model was, I mean, to build, truly build a grassroots system that works for all of us in the beef cattle industry. I think it's important to have everybody involved at that standpoint. So we went the membership model, but probably from a logistical standpoint, tagging those cattle up front is the really big important thing. And, and the system is structured currently around RFID tags, whether they're low frequency and ultra high frequency. Um, we don't discriminate within that. If you're a cow-calf producer tagging those cattle before they leave that ranch of origin, to Bob's point, how some of these diseases move and how they interact with others, that's really important. If you're an auction market feed yard, you know, readers at those facilities would be really important. But uh, that would be really the first and foremost. If you don't know how, we do have that membership model to really get you involved and engaged to move through that. Now, my second question is, you made a comment that there's no premium. More what you guys are thinking about is, think about the industry. Right. That's right. The insurance. Has there any any producer group, producers, have they ever talked about anything that they maybe use on their own personal operation, like maybe using it as record keeping or is there any other ways that which people have actually used it? That's a yeah, that's a great point there, Dustin, because that's where the true value comes into this technology and probably why it's become more popular here today than it's ever been when we start talking about disease traceability. Beforehand we were talking about shifting the way that we move and flow cattle how we've done it historically within the u.s and now this technology is allowing us to flow cattle through at the same speed of commerce we've done but maybe even take more of an opportunity to to get efficiencies into it and operational efficiencies and i was listening to an, another podcast where lamar steiger um from uh, you know jack's ranch and the walmart crew he was talking about how his father-in-law invented the barcodes um on the walmart and he said that uh, everybody was, uh, you know, at the same time, and this is going to really slow things down. We're going to have to scan all these things. It's going to be a big, big problem. And he said, they were skiing one time. He said, you just watch. They'll scan your barcode on a ticket, and that's how you're going to get onto it at that point. And it just became a part of the the life and it, the operational efficiencies that it brought. And you start looking uh, he made a really good point the other day. You start looking at all these different industries that have to have um, the efficiencies because they have had 
an E. coli outbreak in lettuce or whatever it may be. They had to dial it down to that because it was going to be a problem that would continue to go on and on and on. Outside of that, you start looking at the operations and their efficiencies. You know, cow-calf producers, whether we're talking about, you know, collecting more information on our cattle to make more genetic improvement or with some of the, you know, antibiotics and in, in, in ways that they can prove the vaccination records on their cattle. That's really important. And it's just important to find those areas and opportunities to not only allow efficiencies within your segment, but also the uh, different areas that you can maybe garner some premiums for your cattle moving down the line. And I think an important topic, lots of good information there. We will put the website up if you're interested. It's pretty easy to join and, and be a member. Dustin, I did want to get to, and, and there was a report that came out of week or two ago looking at the farmer's share of the dollar and that has gone down recently but tell us a little bit about your thoughts what are you seeing there so to the point where you're making so there was a report that came out from the usda economic research service and i think they do this annually they they collect data they calculate what they call a farmer share farmer share is just a statistic or a measure that just says of every dollar spent at the consumer level how much of that dollar gets back to at the farm level and the comment, I think the article this week or the, the statistics this year says it hit a historic low. I think it was 14 and a half cents, 14 and a half cents on every dollar spent at the retail gets back to the farmer. And of course, that's going to vary by commodity, right? Eggs would be probably a lot higher compared to something that's highly processed. Anyway, there's been a lot of people, if you, if you follow social media, that argue, well, you know, 14 cents getting back to the farmer is not very high. We need to increase that number. Well, you got to think about what that statistic actually is, right? It's it's all the, the 85 and a half cents or 84 and a half cents is all the marketing. So they call it marketing service, but it's the transportation. It's the further processing. It's the et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so I would ask, or, you know, I would question whoever's arguing that we need to, that number needs to be higher. I mean, do you, but you can make it higher, right? You just go straight to the farmer, you buy the live animal, you butcher it yourself you process it yourself and you do all that. And how many people are really going to want to do that? I think some of what you said is it also seems to me like beef would be one where we probably are way higher than that 14% because beef is not a very highly processed food. Whereas bread would be maybe on the other extreme of the difference between a bushel of wheat and a loaf of bread is pretty big. And there was a lot of work to go from there. The difference between a, a calf at slaughter and a steak is a, f- a couple of steps but not a lot of steps i don't know it's more steps than you think because you're going through the processing facility you may go through <laughs> a different facility for boxing and then if what if i eat it out at a restaurant right i've added steps all the way along the process so even though and i get what you're saying it's kind of a whole cut of meat i think it's not a lot of processing they didn't have to bake it hopefully they didn't bake it but as you get it as you get it at the end it still had several other people getting dollars. Is that what you're saying, Dustin? Yep, and you actually bring up a good point. The restaurant, that's actually one of the reasons why this year's a historic low is because coming off of COVID, we saw a lot more people going out to eat at restaurants. Well, that's just adding one more step, one more. Somebody's cooking it for you, basically, so you don't have to do that. And so hence, the, there's more processing or more marketing costs going into it. So so you're saying that it has it's the historic low, but there are some pretty good reasons that that would be that way. And, and maybe is it not a good metric? Should we be looking at something else? Um, there, I mean, there are a lot of different metrics uh, out there, I think, that people use to look at these different kinds of issues. Uh, I, I don't know. It is a statistic. And, you know, I think people we calculate, we can use it and look at it, but just know what it is that's being measured and what it's not. I guess that's all I'm trying to point out is don't try to make an argument 
farmers are, you know, are the not getting the any of the consumer dollar. It doesn't relate to their profitability necessarily. It, it doesn't say anything about the profitability. No. Yeah, and I and I think some of those other things could add. Well, we go to the restaurant; it costs more, but there's more. You have a smaller share of the dollar, but if you get more dollars coming back, it's still it's still advantageous. Right. Yeah, and it could. I mean, like you're saying, it could possibly increase demand for the product, which then goes back to the whole overall industry. Right. It raises everybody up, kind of like the traceability conversation we were having earlier. Well, and that's what you were saying, Callahan. Is is why I get involved in traceability is because it is something you can do and we talked about membership and u.s cattle trace and some of the other things there are a limited number of things that i can do to make a difference industry-wide but i can participate and i think that's your opportunity as a producer of any size or scope you can participate in things like u.s cattle trace and you guys had a symposium recently that got some of those producers together Uh, you couldn't have segued it better there brad i think we we had a we had Kevin Oshner kick off our symposium with a with a really powerful speech, honestly, that spoke just to that. You know, we've talked so long, and he was talking about he had facilitated, I think, the last three beef industry long range plans, and it started of uh, it was a critical industry issue or something like that. I don't have the exact wording there, right? But uh, and it was uh, you know need to make traceability important, and it came all the way down to traceability is reality he said but if we, if we all sit there and just keep saying the industry needs to do this we're all sitting around the table say the industry needs to do this he said what does that mean he said for the entire industry to do something it's going to take individual action within that and i think to even tie into your dustin's last point there we can talk about disease traceability and, and you may not get that dollar economic um, return right out of it and there's certainly ways that we need to incentivize participation in some of those things that we haven't probably perfectly figured out yet. Uh, I'm not disagreeing with that point. But when you start thinking about what the technology can provide, we can do animal disease traceability over here on the left-hand side. But if you want to start differentiating yourself and, and being part of these supply chains and some of these different items and opportunities to increase profitability on your operation and, and start thinking about the fact that we raise beef, not just cattle at the end of the day, you know, and, and you start talking about, uh, you you look at Dustin's report, er, er, you know, the report he was talking about there. And if you want to go chase more of that dollar, you know, you're going to have to do things that differentiate yourself. And back to Brian's earlier point, you're going to have to get individual ID involved in that through that process. And so having the opportunity to not only participate in that and differentiate yourself, whether it's whatever value add that you want to include in that, disease traceability can happen at the exact same time with some of these technologies. And I think that's a great point, Callahan. Several good discussion areas here as we talk through traceability, we talk through some of the other issues. We did not get a chance to talk about EIDs and some of the changes, and I know everybody's wanting to hear your story, Bob. So we will get to it. We'll just have to get Callahan back on because we're out of time for today. So we'll get to hear Bob's story next time. As always, if you have any questions, comments, thoughts you'd like to send us, you can email us at bci at ksu.edu.